0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you. RichardEllisTalks.com. So, with today's talk,
1: here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Burning Questions. This hasn't happened in a while, but at my house, I heard a screech and I couldn't, I thought something terrible was wrong. And then all I heard Rebecca say was screamed out, My toast. So this all is hereditary. Um, Rebecca's mother, Mimi, to us. These people didn't believe in toasters, they believed in ovens. And so you would turn the broiler on. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Okay, everybody knows. Well, Mimi would put the top shelf, a pan, the toast, the broiler, close it, and then go to the grocery store. You know, who knows what she's thinking. (laughs) You know, this does not take overnight, and so you would constantly see burning toast. Burn toast. So Rebecca's pretty good about it, but we have a toaster. We got, you know, it'll do one side, four at a time, but oh no, ah, my toast. So burning questions, just don't leave it. Proverbs chapter 6. Okay, so here's what's going to be tough about today. So I'm gonna to talk to you about things that if you do not live by faith, this is not gonna make any sense, it's not gonna work. This is gonna make, make you go down the road and faith does this, what I describe as this. Faith gives you 20-20 hindsight vision. It gives you the ability to go down the road, look back and say, okay, what happened? And did I make a decision back then, which for us is right now? So I'm asking you today to go way down the road, turn around and look back and say, okay, based on what I heard and heeded, I made a decision and it turned out the way it was supposed to. As opposed to hearing something going, whatever, dude. And then you go on and live your life and then you get down there and go, why didn't someone warn me? You're not going to come to this church and not get warned. And there are things, this is impossible for some reason to get across to people who live for the moment. There are things that you are going to regret in the future because you don't take care of it today. So Proverbs 6.27 says this, and before I say this, I'm not jumping anybody who's made mistakes in your life but the people that understand what I'm about to read know that what I'm about to read is real and painful, and you don't want to go down this road. Can a man take fire to his bosom, meaning your, your chest, fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Could you take fire, shove it down your shirt, and you not be burned? It is not possible. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? And you see people doing this, say, yeah, well, they do that. I'm not talking about that. Build a fire in your backyard and go walk on it, you're going to burn your feet. And then what does he compare this to? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. So if you take it down the road and you say, well, I don't. I want to be innocent, I don't want to be guilty, I don't want to feel bad, I don't want bad things to come on me. So you go down there and say, okay, this is what I'm after. And then you back yourself into that and say, okay then, if I see my quote unquote neighbor's wife, another woman, or if you're a woman, another man, these principles apply. And the enemy says, oh, you're not happy. Your husband's a slug. Your wife doesn't love you anymore. This would be exciting, this would be great. You deserve to be happy, there we go. The enemy never shows you the hook tied to the string connected to the reel to the fisherman that's about to throw you on the grill. All you see is that little worm, or if you're really stupid, you go for plastic. (laughs) And that's what we do every day. We take his bait. So one burning question is, how are you going to manage How are you going to make it to the finish line? How are you going to honor your husband, your wife? And if you haven't, how are you going to get back behind the line and say, okay, but I can regroup, I can repent, I can try to change my life. Well, he's not going to stay with me. She's not going to stay with me. They're divorcing me. Just because someone divorces you because you're an adulterer doesn't mean you have to continue that lifestyle. Oh, well, I'm already an idiot. I must, obviously I just might as well die an idiot. Who came up with this? So these sins are not unpardonable that I'm describing, but they have consequences. And he just straight up says, you shall not be innocent. So we live in a world where you watch a movie, someone has an affair and, oh, well, look painful. Do we have any cereal? You know, and you go in the kitchen and get you a bowl of cereal and life goes on. In real life, cereal doesn't fix it. There's lots of pain, lots of sorrow. So some of this is for the people who have not gone there yet. You may be this close, you may be this close to destroying your whole life over what? A few seconds of pleasure. And then if you have destroyed your life and quote unquote not been found innocent, you have some responsibility to get your life together, get up and running, and when you see people who are about to destroy their life, you warn them. You can't sit by and go, oh, well, that's not my problem. It's none of my business. Because there are situations where if you would just say something, as a woman, you would speak to a woman and say, look, I know something about this. Now, I don't know anything about this personally, but I have to sit with people who live with the consequences of this, and it's part of what helps me. I don't want anything to do with this pain. Brokenhearted men, broken-hearted women, who wanted to be happy or you say, well, you can be in love with more than one person. Of course you can. Your spouse dies, you loved your spouse, you never cheated on them, they died. You remarry, you love that person. Of course you can love multiple people, but in sequence, God's way, not just destroying your whole life. And we live in a culture now where kids have lost their minds because we've told them there's no boundaries and now the parents have lost their minds. And you think, well, I can just go live like hell and there's no consequence. There's consequence. And you're not going to like it. Let's go to another one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, this one is going to take you going down the road a little bit and looking back because I'm going to read you something. I've mentioned this before. I'm going to read a ton of this. And I'm going to ask you to pray before you even hear me read this. God, help me see what is going on here. And when this matters, I am going to make it. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to suffer loss as it describes it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And by the way, a carnal Christian is a baby Christian. Those are synonymous. You have to grow up, though. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So a carnal Christian looks like someone who's not even a believer. For when one says, well, I'm of Paul, another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who's Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one of you, saying, oh, I got saved under Paul or under Apollos or under this preacher. Like, what are you talking about? It's all Jesus. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. He gets all the glory. Now he who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So it's like a big subdivision for Christians and Jesus comes along and pours a slab for everybody. He is the slab. And then he says, okay, let's go to work. You say, well, I got Jesus. Where's your house? Where's your building? Where's your field? What have you planted? What have you done with that slab? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then he gets into this tough stuff. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Whatever you're building, you say, Well, how do you know what I'm building on? What I'm building, my building materials are. It's going to get revealed and it's not going to be pleasant unless you built well with the right materials. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So if you're building with stuff that will not survive a fire, it's going to just go poof. It will be gone. If anyone's work, which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Now that statement by itself, you say, well, big deal. It will be a big deal when you're standing there as a Christian before Jesus, and if you've built with the right stuff endures, he's gonna give you a reward. We're not even here for seconds. We're here for nothing compared to eternity. You're here for like nothing. And then the reward from that just blink of an eye of a life, your reward will be tied to what you did in that period of time. And then verse 15, and this is catastrophic. These verses are just mind-boggling. If anyone's work is burned, so you spent all your time, wasted your time, building with materials that would not survive. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, I'm a, people talk about once saved, always saved. I'm that guy. You get saved, you can't get away from Jesus no matter what. You say, well then, what's the big deal? I can live like, you know, let's sin the more that grace may abound. I can do what I want to do. God's got to love me anyway. I'm going to make heaven. You got to get past this thing of just making heaven. So I end up in some really bizarre places. I'm not even going to tell you this whole story, but I ended up on a plane the other day, a rocket of a plane. This rich guy, we had to go somewhere, and they took me. So I got this guy that owns this plane trapped in his own galley on his own plane. Nobody can get to him. Really kind of closed off. And so on the way, I found out that he was a Christian. That's what he professed. Now, I still can't find anybody who knows that that's the case, and not much evidence that it is. So on the way back from where we went, I trapped him in his galley again, up where the you know, coffee and everything was, and uh, so this is how that conversation started. I said, I don't get the impression that you do anything halfway. He said, nope, I'm all in. And then I said this to him, so why aren't you all in with Jesus? So if he had opened the door and thrown me out, he would have died. <laughs> you say, well, what did he do? And then I started to talk to him, and I'll give you the illustration I gave him. So if my mom's house, when she was a little girl, burned to the ground, anybody ever have your house burn? Maybe we have somebody in the room. There's a few hands that have gone up. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But what you hear is stories of people when their house catches fire, unless there are people they're going to rescue, they start grabbing things of value. So think about it, your house catches fire, you're about to run out, everybody's out safely, is there anything you would grab to take with you? Now, flip this around and we'll get to this in a minute. This is all gonna burn up. You gotta get out of here alive And you got to take everything that you can take with you or ship it ahead or it won't be there. If you don't ship it ahead or take it with you when you go, it will not be there. It will not last. You will have nothing forever to show for your life. You say, but yes, I got Jesus, and I'm not knocking that. And I'm going to heaven, I'm not knocking that. But when you get there, you're going to realize these verses were not filler verses. And when it says he will suffer loss, I got this exit entrance interview coming myself. And I can give you chunks of time when things, you know, I could have been giving it all to Jesus. It will be consumed by this fire. And all I'll be left with is whatever that is. And you say, well, but it'll be okay. There's grace. There's mercy. You don't get it. Whatever the reward is, that's what you will have to lay at his feet. You will not want to have nothing to lay at his feet. So this guy on the plane, what's he going to do? I don't know. What's my responsibility? And I said to him, I said, look, I have tough conversations with a lot of men. And I said, I understand this is a tough conversation, but what I usually say to them is, what do you got people lined up talking to you about your soul? You got nobody talking to you about your soul because nobody can get to you. And if they try, you push them away. So maybe he hears it, maybe he heeds it, and maybe something goes off, he repents, and his whole life changes. Or maybe he goes, whatever, dude, and then 20 years down the road, something finally happens, and then you think you're going to lose your mind because now you're 20 years older, and now you're thinking, why did I not listen to those that warned me? And now it's a scramble. What am I building with? What will survive the fire? Because the fire is coming. I have this overwhelming responsibility to warn people about hell that heaven is a real place, that God loves you, that there's mercy, there's grace, you can be saved but then next, after that it's not just about him being your savior, it's about being your lord and if he's the lord of your life then he runs your life and then he uses your life and then you have something to show for your life and you don't care today you will care, I'm telling you, you will care if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now let's be positive here just a minute. Let's say you build with the right stuff and you're standing there before Jesus himself, the bema seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment, you're a Christian, the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And yes, some of your life is consumed. And then he hands you your reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine the joy that you have something to show for your life. Jesus has something to show for his life. It's us. Do we have something to show for our lives because of what he did for us? Go to 2 Peter chapter three. Let's do verse one and following, beloved. You ever see the word beloved? It means it's Christians he's writing to. I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Okay, scoffers walking according to their own lusts, just doing whatever they want to do. And kind of making fun of you, saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Like, dude, nothing changed. What are you doing, you idiots? You think he's coming back, all this stuff you talk about. Where's the promise of his coming? 2,000 years in, oh yeah, Jesus is coming back. Sure he is, dude. You're nuts. You've lost your mind. It ain't happening. Eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, why do you think the planet still exists and is protected? I don't even begin to understand. You got 2 trillion galaxies, you got meteors, comets, All you need is just some little rock hurling through the universe, just line up on the planet and kaboom, it's gone. I'm talking about milliseconds, it's gone. And they make movies about launching rockets, landing on a comet somewhere and a nuclear bomb and blowing it up so it doesn't destroy us. Why is the earth still here and protected? It's his word, that's why. The heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the only reason they're preserved is he says so, but there's coming a day that they are reserved for what? Fire. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So what does that kind of mean for us? This was written 2000 years ago, give or take. So for us, what does it mean? A Couple days have gone by. From God's perspective, couple days. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So why does he hold off? He doesn't want people to die. Why do people die and end up in hell? You say, well, but it's predestination, all that. Look, I can't explain all that to you, but I do know this. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart or you just picked hell. But look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So this day is coming. And you cannot say, after I read this to you, you cannot say if you're on the planet when it comes that you did not know it was coming. I am reading you the scriptures, God's word. And this is what it says is coming. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. What are the heavens? Everything out there, great noise and they are gone. And the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in them, in it will be burned up. Everything, great noise, fervent heat, gone. The universe, gone. Verse 11, because of that then, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? If that's what's gonna happen, then how are we supposed to be living as Christians? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. I don't know, you know, I think we'll... Am I, am I saying it loud enough? Should I be sweating? Should I have a towel? What does it take? You either get it or you don't get it. Read Revelation 20 with me. Revelation 20 verse 10. I'm not going to take time to read you this whole thing. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Got that resolved. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. They're doing everything they can to get away from God himself. And there was found no place for them. There's coming a day when you're going to try to go hide from the great white throne judgment. There will be no place to hide. I'm giving you a place to hide right now. Jesus, you need a hiding place, make it Jesus. Then you don't have to fool with all this mess. No place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now think about everything you've ever done in your life. And you think, ooh, nobody's going to remember that. No, no one but God who's written it down in the books. And so then you step up and they open your book and all of your stuff is right there written in the book. And now you have to give an account for what's in the book. You're like, well, what happened to your book? Somebody came along in blood and went paid in full on my book, that's what they did. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important
0: things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, talks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the Talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out. Richard Ellis
1: Talks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and if you underline things in your Bible, underline verse 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the last burning question here is, is your name in the book? How do you get in the book? You respond to this book. You don't just hear it, you heed what it says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That won't work for you then. It only works now before you die, before Christ returns, before the end. Thanks for tuning in today
0: to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.